Hey everyone, before we get into this episode of the Who Pod, I just want to remind those of you who are coming to Fan Expo in Toronto on the September long weekend. Felicia's up here, so if you haven't planned to, hey, perhaps maybe you should. But uh, if you are planning to come up here, just a couple things. Uh, please head to the Team Human forums. I believe that is forums.teamhuman.com. I have a post under the announcement section about a meetup, as well as to get yourself onto a Twitter chat where we can all talk to each other. I'd like to do a meetup. We got some RatCon badges coming up, uh, courtesy of uh, the one and only Rocket Soup. Uh, all the info is there. Uh, all the fallacious information, all the meetup information as it evolves. Uh, really hope to see you guys, so please check it out, and we'll talk to you then. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of WhoPod, the 50th episode of WhoPod. Guys, we made it to 50. Really proud of us. And uh, I have to give a shout out to all you, you guys that are listening to this podcast. We wouldn't have got to 50 without you. You are an incredible fan base. We love you. We've heard nothing but positive things back. And that's, that's you. That's on you guys. You make this worthwhile. So thank you. Thank you for allowing us to, to enter your ear holes on a weekly basis and talk to some really cool people. Now, this week's guest is somebody who fits that bill, somebody who is worthy of that 50th Hoopod slot. The only person that I will freely admit is a bigger Star Wars fan than I. I am, of course, speaking about the one and only Katrina Dennis. Now, Katrina is somebody who was, once upon a time, the social media manager at the Geek and Sundry. She is currently the community manager at Wizards World, which I believe is a convention. And she's very active in uh, the Team Kanan uh, group, which is which is basically talking about the Star Wars comic universe. Uh, this was something in an older iteration that I used to help Katrina with. Uh, I consider her an incredible human being. On this podcast, we, of course, talk Star Wars various other levels of geekery, social media management. We get into diversity and why it matters. And uh, yeah, I loved this one. This was a great podcast. I'm very proud of this being our number 50. So let's dive into it, shall we? Hoopod number 50 with the one and only Katrina Dennis. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, Katrina. Oh the news boy, of the day. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's been long speculated that the next Gap movie was going to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. And um, it, it at least sounds by these kind of not confirmed, but kind of confirmed reports that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> if, I, if I may chime in immediately. You may uh, immediately. <laughs> I, I am, you know, just as excited for an Obi-Wan movie as I am for a Han movie, which is not especially. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah. And it's crazy because, like, you know, Han Solo is, like, my first husband in a way um and i love obi-wan's stories i went on this little rant on twitter about how complex he is as a character and how like this could be explored as an interesting story but like i prefer a story about about a new set of people and it kind of broadened the universe uh in rogue one and so that's why i'm kind of like whatever about these other spin-offs that are about interesting characters but um I, I don't know. I, I don't yet see how they're going to broaden the galaxy for people who only watch the the movies on screen. Fair point. Um, I, I, I'm very similar point of view on the Han Solo movie. I'm especially with all the kind of production bumps they seem to have been enduring. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was never really excited about it, but I'm also not much into origin stories. I, I generally 
don't care why people get to why they get where they get to. I just care about where you know what they do while they're there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, and that might stem from the point where me 20, 30 years ago wasn't the same guy I am now, and I didn't really like that guy back then. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like the person I am now. So I kind of ho- hope people wouldn't judge me by my former self, more my kind of current improved self. So um, when I like a character, I kind of have a very similar point of view on that. I don't care the journey to. Uh, everybody, for those of you who may not know, uh, we have, joining us this week is Katrina Dennis. Welcome, Hello. Katrina. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. And of course, uh, Joey Couture on the ones and twos of the scratch track and the solo recording. Hey, what's up? Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Tierlin woke up with, uh, with, with uh, laryngitis today, so she will not be joining us. That is the one tool she does need for a podcast, so uh, we mm-hmm. do wish uh, Tierlin well. Um, so let's just quickly, before we get back into Star because we, we know we could talk Star Wars all for the next hour. Um, how, how, how is it that you came to, I, I don't even want to say find in your specific case, but how, how was Team Human kind of part of your life? Uh, well, I was, I was actually the uh, social media manager over at Geek and Sundry when, oops, when Team Human kind of came to be. Um, because I, if I remember correctly, it's been it's spun off of um, co-optitude in a way. Uh, yeah, and there was there was the whole inside joke going on there, and so yeah, it it kind of came to be, um, and, and I it was cool to see it grow from like the the mods who were on the forums to the wa- the people who were watching the videos and kind of sprout from there into this like nice little family, and I I liked it. It was good, and I'm glad you guys still remember me. I'm like your wonderful aunt that keeps coming back because the chicken's really good <laughs> um there's a good bunch of us that re- remember what we consider the glory days if you will and uh <laughs> and we, we hold on to them dearly uh, perhaps uh, just a little insight for people who may want to get into the sort of industry in, that you're in and you're do you're now working i believe in a in a similar-ish role for uh the wiz world wizard world yeah. convention Yes, uh, so I, I work for Wizard, Wizard World, um, and yeah, I, I'm their, their social media manager over there, and I'm actually doing a lot of similar things to Geek and Sundry, so all of my experience over there is really helping me with the current position that I'm, uh, I'm working on, because thanks to the production experience I got over at Geek and Sundry, I'm, I'm able to create uh, really cool content, I think, for Wizard World, so yeah. So- so for the people that are coming up, because I mean, me coming out of school, social media manager was not a thing. How mm-hmm. does how does one you know kind of hone the skill set for this? How does one get a job in this field? I mean, these this is a very common job. A lot of people seem to like and, and, and want to break into this field, but just I don't know if there's a roadmap for it other than you know being a strong social media presence. But you're the inside track. So uh, how how is it you got the work at Geek and Sundry, at Wizard World, um, and what sort of skills did you? you hone or that you bring to the table? Um, I think when you think about social media management, community management goes hand in hand with it. If your community isn't loyal to you, uh, then you won't get the engagement and um, the, the, the word out about your product or your brand. But as far as me, um, I kind of fell into it like by, by accident. I picked up a job at a social media company uh, just kind of doing entry-level work, and then I moved into 
uh, graphic design. And that kind of weirdly moved me into community management because I started designing um, products for the community. And so I started like taking over Twitter and kind of going back and forth about what the fans wanted for this particular brand. Um, so from there, I like rolled into Geek and Sundry because I started looking for a different position. And one of my friends who had gone to a school that is popular amongst Geek and Sundry hires, um, she saw a posting up on their website for a social media manager. And then I applied and uh, somehow by some miracle I got it. And that was where the whole, my, I think Geek and Sundry, I always felt like it was kind of my defining moment where I did become a full-fledged social media manager because I took on so many different and interesting projects like when we launched Spell Slingers and I was there during the Indiegogo uh, campaign for Tabletop Season 3 and that was me and Ivan Van Norman going back and forth, like <laughs> busting some chops to make sure that happened. And the whole team was like amazing. So uh, I think, you know, and now because I, I started in this industry um, doing social media when it was still kind of up and coming, when it would, was something that nobody had really explored yet. Um, and so now it's so much different. You You can be an influencer and start becoming a social media manager, but um, it, it does take a type of person, I think. It takes someone who can relate to the community they're working with um, and can deliver and listen to them, uh, you know, closer and in, in, in a more understanding way than just some anybody who would be unrelated. So, yeah. I think, I think that social influencer thing is something that is, is a metric that people don't realize uh, is being measured out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been offered some stuff from the little bit that I do here on the podcast and, and whatnot. And I'm just like, me, really? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, well, you're, you, you're a social influencer on a group that we kind of want to get into. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. thanks. You know, sort of idea. I, I really don't see my, anything that I do on, online as being that big a deal, but they're going on such a macro level when it comes to trying to get into those markets. And it's, the, the tech is coming in and I think you're right. You kind of got into it on the ground floor. Um, like the company I work at, the guy that runs our social media was just a marketing guy. They're like, well, you're kind of tech savvy, right? How about you run the Twitter? And he's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And um, that's pretty much just part of his job, something that he does. He does a lot of other marketing otherwise. But um, So I have to ask, what is the school that is popular amongst the hires? Because now I want to know. Now I got to know. (laughs) Katrina, you don't Um, have to tell people that if you don't want to. (laughs) I mean, like a lot of people from Geek and Sundry are, are Emerson alumni, and that's, I mean, but that was when my generation was there. I, I don't know about who's there right now, but at that time, um, Neil was an Emerson graduate, uh, Neil McNeil, and so he was the one who posted my, the ad that, that I responded to because my friend was also an Emerson grad, and so he was the one kind of advertising all the positions at that time because he knew Emerson and could just go like, hey, post this. <laughs> then they would just do it. So I don't know if that's the, the case now, but a lot of people were Emerson alumni and have gone on to do amazing things uh, from Geek and Sundry. So it is, was cool. Is, nice for, forgive, forgive the, the ignorance and the question. It's, a, it's an honest question. Is, is Emerson hard to get into? no idea i didn't go to it oh okay i was just like um, i'm like wow I, these that's why these guys no are so idea. smart <laughs> i'm like maybe i should go but then i'm like maybe i, I won't I get in no idea. 
it, it's yeah. crazy. Up, I mean, up here in Canada, we I can almost guarantee everybody who's involved in our kind of back-end media role, it, they're all coming from the same school. We just have one school up in this area that seems to churn out people from that industry. Um, at, at, at a, I mean, not that there aren't other schools that do it, but it's kind of the prestigious one. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know anything about this the Emerson School either. I mean, I'm in a whole other country. But um, I mean, stuff like that, at least, you know, locally, I think tends to happen. And, um, you know, people like people that have gone through similar experiences, no matter what you do in life. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, my wife is in the academia field, and if someone looks at her resume and sees, oh, I went to your school, she gets an interview. Like, it's, yeah. it's it, that, th those are ties that will always exist, I think, because people are like, oh, I remember that experience. I've had it, too. Come in and mm -hmm. say hello, sort of idea. Um, and anyone who, f and I know some people get upset about that, but it's like, you know what? You got to work with any advantage you get in this world. This is not a an easy world to live in. <laughs> no, and I totally, yeah. I totally agree with that because the school that I attended um, was Full Sail University. Now, I'm not dissing mm -hmm. my school by any means, but the the two fields that you will find something almost immediately in are if you are in music production, like you're mm -hmm. making the music yourself like mixing it, soundboards, everything, or if you are in film. Those are the two that they will churn out fast because a lot of the graduates, they've gone on to work on films in the Transformers franchise. Um, they've gone on to do stuff with Netflix, like Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things. Then you have stuff on Amazon Prime and all these other, other things and Marvel movies and whatnot. So those are the ones that are getting churned out. I got my... <laughs> I got my degree in uh, music business. Uh, so I have learned since graduation uh, in the music business, it's more about <laughs> finding open opportunities and your degree, my degree for the most part in, in that field, I've, I've come to find out is almost worthless in a way. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I don't consider it worthless because everything that I learned is adaptable into any form of business because, you know, you have demographics, you have customers, you have genres, you have everything in, in different markets that you have to pay attention to, customer service and working relations. It, it, it all translates. Um it was just, I guess mine was just a little bit more fine and I could tell as much as I wanted to get into music business uh, a lot of my projects um, used other companies that weren't so much music oriented like Blizzard and right. Legendary and stuff I even used mm -hmm. Geek and Sundry for one I was just, I you could tell I wanted to break out but I wasn't sure where <laughs> fair um, so, so it, since the role of social media manager became more defined, did you find your kind of um, on the ground training helpful or more hinderful as it's, you know, being developed as more and more a, a position you can probably get an education in or, or at least training in before you, you jump out into the workplace? Um, I mean, I found it helpful because it taught me the one rule of social media right now because it is and will still probably be with over with the next 10 years like a developing uh, market 
is to always keep up to date, always adapt, you know, keep keep on top of everything that changes because, you know, when you build a Facebook ad one day, it could change and the rules might completely warp the next day and then you'll have to reconstruct the whole image and everything will be so annoying. But you should definitely always stay on top of it. And this also just means like having a, a finger on the pulse of what is trending at the time. Um, so if you can adapt and you can change, then social media is definitely a business that you can thrive in. Um, but you know, I find that, that marketing people who were set in their ways when social media kind of took off, didn't necessarily do as well. And people who were more adaptable were able to broaden their digital marketing, um, portfolios in a way, because you don't necessarily need to know social media as much as you need to know how to construct a good ad, you know? So it, it depends. And, and keep, keeping on top of the trends, I think is a very key point, um, mm -hmm. especially within the circles that you want to influence. Um, I, I have always considered myself somebody who is in the know about a lot of things. And if I don't know it around, usually the people around me know something about it. Um, but then I run into certain corners of, if you will, the internets and that I didn't even know exist. I've been on this thing since, you know, as soon as I could. And there are still the corners of this place. I'm just like, I have no idea what that is or what any, oh, you've never heard of this? No. Mm -hmm. and, you know, some of that is to the point where now I, I don't pay as much attention to it as I once did. But um, it, it has to be, and the point I'm trying to get to, it, it has to be exhausting having to keep up on all of this stuff all the time. Everything changes so dramatically. Mm hmm yeah, absolutely. It's it's hard to keep up, but you and and I, I completely agree with your point. Like if you have a focus or a community that you want to work with, you should be able to keep uh, up to date on them. So like for for me, I wanted to get into uh, film and and uh, TV production and uh, working within entertainment, and so that is entirely what I pay attention to and developments in comics and things like that. So. It's definitely, as long as you are part of that community, I think that what you can do with the right mindset and the right types of education and experience is really awesome. Now, um, I have to admit this, and, and you're the only person, and we've talked about this in the past, that uh, I, I give this, this title to, is that uh, my whole life I've never met a Star, a, a Star Wars fan bigger than I until I met you. Um, <laughs> I'm just I think gonna go you... crochet a blanket. I'll be back in a little while. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've heard this story before, but for those of the, uh, who haven't ha uh, told us or, or haven't heard the story yet, sorry, tell us the story of of how Star Wars was introduced to your life and the meaning in which it has, as well as your your various tie-ins, both professionally and personally, to to the medium. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars has kind of been a guiding factor in my life. I, I knew that. I wanted to be part of like everything that was being made uh, within the Star Wars universe from a very young age. And that happened because I was at a Star Trek convention with my dad because um, we didn't have babysitters in the 90s. So um, we he took me to Star Trek conventions like as soon as I was like three years old, just popped one of the captain's uniforms on me and off we went. And I was in uh, the vendor's hall all by myself because that is, again, it was the 90s and that just happened. <laughs> so I was hanging out and I saw a pack of top Star Wars cards and Han Solo was right on the front and I was like, who is that Star Trek character? And from there, it just kind of 
took off and we got into Star Wars and I watched it like right there um, and like up in the hotel room. But yeah, I, I fell in love like immediately and from there everything's kind of taken off. I, you know, I was a kid who wrote Star Wars fan fiction and I would play the trading card game and I would like RP Star Wars on AOL Instant Messenger and all kinds of dumb stuff. Oh my and... god, the years of AOL, I miss it. Yes. Oh, aim. I miss you. Um, but yeah, I, I from from there, I kind of like spun my career into writing and and uh, entertainment journalism, and just again keeping my pulse on that community helped me move into that area. And then also, I had gone to school for um, broadcast journalism, so it was kind of it kind of helped me out there. Um, but yeah, I, I started writing for a couple different sites. Geek and Sundry let me write for them. A couple times and I used that as a launch pad to start working with several different awesome outlets and I moved on to movie pilot for a little while and I work with sci-fi and eventually um, my friend geek girl diva suggested uh, that I start writing for starwars.com and she tagged Andy Gutierrez who is like my total role model and she used to be the social media manager for starwars.com and now she's a host and I think she's like a marketing director um, over there. And so like, I totally look up to Andy in a way. And so, uh, Andy referred me to Dan Brooks, my editor, and I started writing for starwars.com and it's been awesome. And it's like my, my most prideful achievement, I think, um, one of them at least, but yeah, it's, it's affected my life in great ways. You know, I, I still, I, I write for them now and I get to read all sorts of fantastic books that are coming out with the new canon. And it's just like, part of every aspect of my life. I don't, it's weird. Like, I think it sounds really corny, but a day doesn't go by where I don't like think about Star Wars. Like, you know, doesn't sound so, weird to me at all. <laughs> kind of sounds like somewhere like, I'd like to be. <laughs> discourse. <laughs> oh man. Um, and, uh, to, to humble brag on your behalf, you've also had the, uh, the pleasure of at least interviewing one of the big three a, a couple times. if memory. Yeah. Yes, I have interviewed Mark Hamill twice, um, and that was incredible. I really loved it. Um, I had, uh, the first one was at the premiere of, not the premiere, but one of the early screenings of Kings and a Secret Service, The Secret Service, because he was oh, in that love film. Love that movie. Yeah, and that was, it was during the lead up, I think it was like the October before The Force Awakens came out, and so I was trying to like, you know, get questions out of him, and like he told us a little bit about the helicopters that were flying over and trying to get different shots of the set and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a really cool interview. And then afterwards, cause I interviewed him in front of the audience and then we did a, an on-camera interview and the most magical exchange of my life happened because we were talking about the Joker and Harley Quinn and I just, I slipped into our Harley Quinn voice and he like played right into it. And like, I could have died right there and it would have been fine. <laughs> so yeah I remember, I remember seeing that clip and then he he just naturally slipped into it he goes oh you got me on that one like he was yes! not expecting to do it and I was like oh you got him that's yeah. awesome yeah was, that is like up on my Instagram and I'm never taking it down ever in my <laughs> life it's so awesome and then um the second time uh he was promoting his new his show on con tv I think con tv yeah um, the collector show, right? Yes, the collector show, and like it was the the debut of it, and there was like a red carpet and everything down at the Paley Center, and 
Uh, that was right before Rogue One came out, and so like we, the back and forth was really cool. Uh, my friends uh, Ash Krasan from IGN was there, Anastasia was there, so it was really cool. And um, yeah, I, I feel that I'm very lucky like to have ever done that. Um, so yeah. Now I I got I got a sense in the opening when we were talking about um, the Obi Wan you know property, and you know you're mm-hmm. kind. Of, it, it sounded like you were more interested in seeing kind of the new um, exploring, expanding the world into new characters or characters that have barely, you know, kind of had this, the surface scratched. One mm-hmm. I think you're a doppelganger for is, is Dr. Afra. Um, <laughs> like, as soon as I read this, and I'm like, I'm reading it, and I'm looking at the art, and I'm like, did somebody know Katrina when they wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> this character, because I, I mean, I, they're, they've made some incredible characters in the, in the comics. And um, just a little sidebar, Katrina used to run a uh, podcast for the Star Wars comic uh, scenario and mm-hmm. Team Kanan and all these other sort of side projects came from that. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that and the new canon and what you as, as a fan want to see evolve with these, these new properties. Yeah, um, so Team Kanan is on a tiny little break between seasons right now, but that's our Star Wars Rebels podcast, and I do that with um, my friends Jonah Marie Macias and Jeremy Conrad, and we've been going on since season one, and like it's one of the most fun little projects uh, that I have, uh, you know, to do these days, and it's really fun, like because we we kind of gear toward that family audience that's that's and this broad audience that is watching Star Wars Rebels now, and so we have families and kids who like comment and then we'll have like people our age who are like yeah I totally think that about that ridiculously stupid and deep theory you came up with so it's really cool and and I love it because I do love this new canon like I grew up on the on the expanded universe I have all of those stories still I bought all of like the dumb junior readers I have Padme's diary from episode (laughs) one which I totally I spoiled episode one for myself because I bought that before it released, and this is the weird part, it released like a month before episode one came out. And so, of course, I immediately read it. And then I found out Qui-Gon died. And I was like, oh, oh no. Like, yeah, yeah that, that's a tough thing to have yeah. going in. So that's how I spoiled The Phantom Menace for myself. Um, but it was told entirely from her point of view. So I didn't spoil all of The Phantom Menace. It's just like she had this entry where it's like, Obi-Wan is returned and he's reported that Master Qui-Gon Jinn has died. And I'm like, poopy. Um, so I was very sad about that. Uh, I, was very, I was a very sad first grader. Um, yeah, and... But oh, I really loved... You were loved... first grade when that came out? Oh, uh, now uh, I feel super old. <laughs> I remember my... I remember the portable classroom that I was in when I was reading those books. Because uh, I got that at the Scholastic Book Fair. And that's where I picked up like a chunk of my... Uh, expanded universe books. I watched the Phantom Menace in Downtown Disney. Oh wow! <laughs> I was I was a twenty something. <laughs> okay, please nice. continue. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but yeah, like I, I I actually really like the new canon. Like it's cool because there are elements and even spaceships and stuff that are from the EU, but it's not the same because obviously it wouldn't have worked canonically because the EU for for all of the cool and expansive things that it that it introduced it it was you know fan fiction that that you know george lucas was kind of like all right guys you know you can just do that because here's the plan and whatever here you go like 
<laughs> and it, it bred some incredible stories. And I think that that's, that's what the new canon is doing as well. And as long as good stories are being told, I am happy. Because, um, yeah, you know. The, yeah, and, and, I can, and I can get your point to the say, you know, we've, over the last couple of years, introduced a bunch of other ways and a bunch of other directions to go. And I think mm-hmm. Disney's sitting there going, yeah, but we're going to want to do this for 20 years. So let's get the old guy's stuff out of the way. And um, I mean, with the, with the Obi-Wan story in particular, I think a lot of that is being fueled from the speculation about, you know, Rey's lineage. Um, I, I'm not on Team Kenobi myself. I would actually like that to be true, but I don't think it is. Um, I guess just from a speculation standpoint, you you have no inside knowledge, I would presume, on this. And if you do, Mm-mm. just tell me. We'll <laughs> cut this whole part out. Um, <laughs> what do you think her lineage is? Well, I don't have any inside knowledge on this at all. And honestly, the the directions that all of the hints have taken us in are kind of giant whirlpools and so I, I kind of support the Ray nobody theory um, even though everything because of the interviews that have come out especially recently where it's like she's going to find out about it but it's not going to impact her journey um, in a way that one that we think we it would um, it's kind of like the summary of what I read so I don't know I mean I, I just really don't want her to be Ray Palpatine like I'm just if we could just stay away from the idea of anybody ever wanting to like have a baby with Sheev. Like <laughs> like his name is Sheev. How can you I don't know. I wouldn't. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, I mean I think because of the fighting style, that was the one I latched on to. But I don't want it to happen either. I mean you have, you know, a solo fall from Grace and maybe a Palpatine return it so I could see the yin and yang there, but I I I, I like the Ray Nobody as well. I kinda want her to, to not have to have too many hooks into the old universe, um, mm-hmm. I've always I've always held that they were going to kill the big three through these new movies. Um, we've lost one, um, you know. We lost one in real life, which that's a whole other thing. But um, yeah. uh, my my, uh, my my guess was they were gonna they were it's the whole you know kill off Harry Potter's mentors because it's the only way Harry can move forward within the world as kind of you know, a, a leader within it. And, and I think mm-hmm. Ray or, or Daisy in particular, as long as she wants to do it, has the mantle to be um, the flagship for Star Wars into the next generation. Um, mm-hmm. And to do that, I think you have to kill the big three so that people don't keep talking about them. Right. Um, personally. Um, the, the only one that I thought maybe survived was would have been Leia, but uh, uh, I, I have no idea how they're going to do that because, I, you know... It sounded like that they had plans for her in episode nine, and 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 I, I'm mixed feelings about the fact that they're saying we're not going to do the computer stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't want it to be computer generated, but in the same breath, I kind of want our character to have a have proper wrap up. And if they can do that through editing, my hat is off to them, and thank you. But that's going to be tough. Yeah. That's a, it, it's still a very tough one for me, the loss of Carrie Fisher. I mean, I knew. Um, I, I knew, I mean, these people are not young anymore. I, I think I always was preparing for Harrison to be first. I had no idea. In fact, I, the, the one that I would have thought the least would have been, would have been Carrie. But uh, it still really yeah. cuts me. It really, it really digs, it, it hurts every time I kind of see footage of her from the mm-hmm. new movie. Or It's, it's surprising because I don't have a lot of reaction to celebrity deaths, but this one is. is oh, deep. yeah. 
Yeah, it, it hurt really bad. Like, I still get sad thinking about it. Um, and I think that's because, like, both on screen and in real life, you know, Carrie was this defiant, uh, you know, figure, even, even to her own life and her own problems. Uh, and I think that that's the thing, is that we lost someone who is both within the Star Wars gal- universe and out here in our universe, someone who was strong and a fantastic role model. But... You know, recently, and not to get, like, super mushy or anything like that, but um, I, when, when I see Carrie on screen and when I see her, um, like, on billboards and things like that, because I've seen um, ads for, like, the Tribute um, movie, I think, with HBO or things like that, I, I always kind of smile because it's like, you know, I'm, first off, I'm glad she doesn't have to deal with what's going on right now in the world. And yeah. second, like, she's always kind of been that whole... You know, and Leia said, Leia's like, I dropped my microphone. Hold on, guys. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And Leia's kind of the same way, and Ryan Johnson went over this, and I talked about it on Twitter, but uh, both Leia and Carrie went through their lives taking hit after hit after hit and getting up and going forward. And maybe, you know, certain decisions that were made, you know, even with with Leia to send Kylo to to training or send Han to take Kylo back, those weren't the best decisions to make, but Leia keeps getting up and going and Carrie kept going getting up and going. And I think that's like something huge to realize, um, especially if you have, you know, mental illnesses like Carrie had, or you share kind of the same feeling or experiences uh, on any level. It's, it's a, a good reminder of like, you know what, the world is hard right now, but I just saw Carrie Fisher's face and I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep going because that's what she would do, you know? Um, so I think I've been, I've been smiling when I see her cause it's like, you know what? I, thank you. Like I needed to be reminded that like I could keep going and get up and take a hit and keep going. Like, you know, I think, I think once this uh, new movie is, is out and I've seen it and it's like the last, you know, piece of work that of hers I'll probably see. And, um, you know, I think at that point I will allow myself to properly heal. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm still in the hurt phase because I know yeah. there's something coming yet to which I have not seen. Um, and afterwards, I can just kind of finally sit back and say thank you. And, you know, I mean, I mean, I, whenever I've dealt with loss in my life, you know, it's always been, okay, well, they're gone now. So mm-hmm. there's nothing there's nothing new to see. There's, you know, it's all been seen. Whereas this one, you know, uh, with the knowledge that, you know, I have, I'm going to be watching this incredible, hopefully, movie in, a, in mm-hmm. a year or a few months or whatever the case may be. So I can't close that book yet. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, the grief oh, of Carrie you. Fisher. <laughs> oh yeah, I miss her. I miss her so much. I'm all, I'm so sad that like you know, oh gosh. But yeah, she's she's been a, a good constant reminder, I think. And I'm very excited to see what Leia is dealing with in this next movie and how they send her off because it's supposed to be like incredible. And so you know, I'm I'm hoping. I'm I'm very. I have very high hopes for this movie, honestly, because. Uh, you know, Mark Hamill brought up this movie when he was talking about Ryan Johnson's career at Celebration. He brought up Brick, and that was the first Ryan Johnson movie I saw. It was the first uh, movie that, like, really kind of rocked my world as a college student. I, I thought it was really well made uh, without the huge budget, and it was this cool, like, detective noir set in, like, a high school. Um, and so if anybody's listening and wants to check it out and kind of wants to learn a little bit more about Ryan Johnson as like a storyteller that's the direct movie I refer them to and so that's why I'm really excited about this movie like 
he knows how to tell a good story. And I expect the weird and unexpected from him. Hmm. Joy, have you seen Brick? I have not. Are any of the other Ryan Johnson properties? No. I don't think I have either, but I think I might check out Brick beforehand. I like to get a sense of the style beforehand. And um, if and it's funny because in the first Star Wars trilogy, universally, The Empire Strikes Back seems to be most people's favorite film. Irving Kirshner came in and knocked it out of the park. And in the, in the prequel trilogy, at least my personal opinion, it's where they shit the bed the most. Um, I, I did not like Attack of the Clones at all. I was okay with the bookends in their own rights, but I just could not have, I didn't have that same feeling. And in most trilogies, often the second act is where the story really gets meaty and, and really gets good. And it, I think it's the hardest of any trilogy to do is that, that second act, personally. Because mm-hmm. it, it defines a trilogy. And uh, um, you grab people's attention with the first, you give them the nice little ending at the end and three, but two is really where the meat's at. Oh yeah, absolutely. So now um, you you're somebody who's been a big Star Wars fan for a while. In even though it's not the most diverse kind of, um, at least before was not mm-hmm. a very diverse film, not a very diverse property. Mm-hmm. And it is becoming more and more diverse as we move forward. And I know this is something that you often get really excited about, seeing diversity, seeing color, seeing more women in the, um, in the film, in, in the canon. Uh, can, you, can you just explain to anyone who may not understand that, and if they're listening to this and they don't understand that, I don't understand them, but why that is so important? Um, hold on, can you rephrase that? <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I went a little over the place. No. Explain to me, explain to me why um, uh, diversity within Star Wars is important. Oh, well, I mean, the first thing you have to think about is the fact that if there can be aliens of all sorts of colors, then there should be humans of all sorts of colors. And it's, it's important because, like, sci-fi, a long time ago and even still today, it, it's not diverse. And it's weird because it's like, if we have all these infinite possibilities... We should have all these infinite types of humans too. Um, so I think it's it's important to see on screen, and I tell this story a lot. Um, I, I tell this story because it's really important to me. My dad saw Star Wars at like 16, 17 years old with my grandfather, my abuelo. And when The Force Awakens, the first trailers came out and he saw Oscar Isaac, my, my dad, he saw Oscar Isaac in that cockpit um he like we were watching it together and he was like oh my god they put us in an x-wing and you know we we don't share the direct like latinx lineage that oscar isaac does we're chilean um but it was still amazing like it's it's been so refreshing recently you know pedro pascal is one of my like i want to see him in star wars thing i totally like created an oc for him where he's like bail organa's (laughs) brother and but like seeing him in game of thrones even though Oberyn at a totally unfair end. Uh, yeah. It was. It's crazy. Like it's great to be like that's a Chilean man. Like he's from my country and he's in this crazy property. So seeing that in Star Wars and especially with even more characters like Poe's mom, Shara Bay, uh, with Kanan, who was supposed to be he's supposed to represent the same as Freddie Prince Jr. He's supposed to be kind of Latino and Freddie Prince Jr. is Puerto Rican. Um, 
it's it's been wonderful seeing more and more characters just like me because when I was little I wanted to be like that little X-wing pilot and I had Han Solo to and and Princess Leia to relate to because I found Han Solo kind of relatable personality wise whereas Princess Leia was kind of like the person I should be <laughs> right, um, right so it's like goals plus who I actually am and so. Like, you know, now I get to see characters who are not only like me personality-wise, but they're like me on screen and physically. And uh, it's it's really incredible to see that, you know, we can be there at all. Because right. before it wasn't necessarily shown. And, and I'll tie Joey into this one as well. Uh, but just diversity in mainstream media in, in general. Um, Joey, how important is it to you to see people from uh, the LGP, I always forget this thing, LGBTQ communities represented in mainstream media. How important is that to see as something that's just accepted in, in any property? Um, and, and Katrina, by all means, if you want to weigh in on this as well. Well, I mean, personally, I mean, because, I mean, think about it. We're in the 21st century, and the fact that there's still such a, a war on being against lgbtq members of society mm -hmm. and then you have <laughs> properties that are supposed to explore endless possibilities that you know we're supposed to be beyond those boundaries and they're still not represented mm -hmm. it it's kind of like what's the point then like what's the point of you even bothering to tell the story if we can't like we're not I, I, okay let me, let, me, let me rephrase this. When I say we, I can't speak for everybody, but for the most part, it makes sense. We're not asking for, you know, genitalia to be splashed on screen. We're just at asking that we're at least acknowledged that people know that, you know, we are real. We do exist. We are human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just like you. And <clears throat> for the importance of it, uh, in especially in social media, it gives us hope, no pun intended, <laughs> related to the franchise mm -hmm. we're talking about, uh, <laughs> that, you know, there's somebody out there listening that hope. we do feel accepted and that, you know, at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you know, something positive is going to happen. Um, I mean, when they were speculating that, you know, two of the characters, you know, were going to end up together at one point or another, I'm just like, I don't know. It's It's Disney. But, uh, I mean, then again, you look at the fact that uh, Raven's Home, the the second spinoff of That's So Raven, is back. You have mm -hmm. an, an out-and-proud uh, lesbian actress who's playing, even though she's playing a heterosexual character, and she has talked endlessly out loud um, about how homophobic Disney can be at times, the fact that they were like, you know what, why don't we do this show, we'll, we'll bring you back, and she's been nothing but positive about it. They've been nothing about positive about it. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're moving in a good direction. I don't quite know. I went off on a whole other tangent. I apologize. I'm sorry. No, no. That's <laughs> what this is all about. Tangent away. But I mean, I, we've just spent 20 minutes on Star Wars. <laughs> but I will say though, I mean, it's in, and the reason why I want to say that it's also a good thing is back to the, the Raven thing is their show is showing how families are not all the same for one. Uh, while her and Chelsea are not a couple, they are friends 
working together together as one family unit to raise all three kids in the same apartment together. And they're showing mm-hmm. that while on one hand, sure, divorce can be messy and screwed up, it can also be, you know what? The two parents, we grew apart. We're still friends. We're positive with each other. We don't fight mm-hmm. in front of an, you know, in front of the other one. We don't make people choose sides and that divorce doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a new you know, fulfilling thing in a way because it can actually mm-hmm. help two people out. So in that regards, like I said, it opens doors for bigger and other things to happen, which is why I think that I'm not saying that she's the reason, but you know, it kind of follows the trail. It follows the whole trail mm-hmm. down the whole, the whole well. And, uh, I went off on a really messed up tangent. It, I pulled fine, from man. all corners of the world. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. There's, there's no no apologies on here. If anyone is willing to say or do what they want, I, there's no turning wheels here. Um, <laughs> um, before I say anything, Katrina, do you have anything you want to discuss on that? Or no, I mean, um, you know, I I'm bisexual myself, and like it's you know from Star Wars to you know Marvel comics. Um, it's been really cool kind of seeing i'm focusing on comics because they're kind of like my biggest love it's been really cool kind of seeing this this wave of like out and proud superheroes and supervillains either either way um and i hope it does make it to like big screen media especially with star wars like they're there we have out lgbt characters in star wars we have people who have different um gender identities in star wars but that's all in the books and the comics and I think it would be strong and powerful to see that in a TV show because Star Wars has already explored some really interesting, um, you know, the, the, the concept of found family, the concept of um, adopted uh, family where there's um, back in the Clone Wars, there's one family that I really loved. It was uh, one of the clone troopers had kind of run off with this Twi'lek and like she had a family with another human before him and he had adopted her children and they were living in peace together and it was really cool and so like we've we've seen out characters we've seen implied characters but i would just like to have like a clearly defined uh out and and proud character and more not just one obviously um uh just in space so that we can see them big and right there on the screen doing amazing things like you know and it doesn't need to be a crazy focus like I'm gay here I am it it just needs to be this part of their story you know like it, to be identi- identifiable I think to different audiences is the biggest challenge and it's it's something that Hollywood views as a huge challenge but it's not you just have to write real people and there are all sorts of people it's an endless galaxy like you know at least in, 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 in comics and in fiction, there's no boundaries there. And there's no reason why everyone should be there at some point or another. I, I've found to... Sorry, Joey. I'll actually... Go, go ahead, Joey. I don't want to... Oh, I was, I was just going to throw out there. I mean, if they can do it with Battlestar Galactica and they can do it mm-hmm. with Caprica, you know, wh- what the hell? Come on. I mean, if yeah. sci-fi... Okay, I mean, I, I, I got to hit on sci-fi just a little bit. I mean, you, you canceled some of my favorite freaking shows you bastards but it's like if they can pull it off and it's not this big grand huge like oh my god we can't believe we're doing this and it's not such a big deal i don't understand why these other companies can't do it 
I mean, seriously. Yeah, I love to. I love to refer to Orphan Black because it's one of those shows where there's not one out gay character. There's a there's a lesbian couple. There are a couple gay people. There are, are there's a transgender character, and I, that's a little rickety on me. I'm uh, a straight woman plays this person, but like I you know I guess baby steps in that way. But this is a show that doesn't limit uh, how many this or that's there are. You know, like it's. It's inclusive, and I want to see that, too. Like, And it's not like, you know, people complain about things, and I don't think it's in your face at all. I think it's natural. I think there are all sorts of people like this, and there should be that. it should be that way and not populated on screen, you know? Yeah, because the problem with Hollywood is that they're stuck where they, have, they feel like they only have two ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You either have gay characters that on one end is Will and Grace... And on the other end of the spectrum is Showtime's Queerest Folk. They have they have no mm-hmm. idea where to find the middle ground. Mm-hmm. I think very few have done it right. And, and I think John Berriman's character on, on Doctor Who was one of them that I actually really enjoyed. Yeah, but him, though, he was pan. No, he was omni. He was omnisexual. Yeah. Anything with two legs yeah. and a heartbeat turned him on. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, he just like, he's like, why? But it was just kind of like, well, why would you close your options off? And that was it. Like, it, mm-hmm. he, it was, that was the be- the beginning and the end of that conversation. And on the other hand, this past season, they had, um, their companion was lesbian. And it, it, it's almost like she had to keep announcing it to, to the audience. And I was like, you don't have to do that. I mean, we figured that out right away. And, and I didn't understand why they kept having to kind of remind the audience that this is what this character is. And, and I found that just to be an unfortunate take because I thought they did such a great job with, with, uh, with Berriman's take on, on it, if you will. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it, it's important. Representation in mass media is important. And, and I'll use my own experience. Like I grew up in a very cultural, diverse neighborhood. So I didn't see color. Race was not something that I dealt with. So I grew up my whole life without any form of racism. And I'm very proud about that fact because well, I, was the, I was the minority within my neighborhood. But I had no exposure to the LGB, LGBTQ community at all. And, it, and if it existed within the kids I grew up with, severely closeted, like very deep in the closet, never saw anything to do with it. And mm-hmm. the media wasn't showing it. So I came out, like I'm in, uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. When I, when I was in my phrasing. 20s, uh, yeah, phrasing, exactly. Uh, when I was in my tw- 20s, I first started experiencing people of those lifestyles I had no exposure to it and I didn't know what to do I didn't know what to say and I just was like okay they're 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 just people Mm -hmm. I just like because I'd never dealt with it my whole life and I think it is important to put it into those mass media markets in all forms so that people don't run into that experience you know you're you're gonna live they're gonna be people that live in areas that don't see people of color for a long time or don't see you know, people with alternative lifestyles or, 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 or LGBTQ um, kind of influences. And when they get exposed to it the first time, they, they lock up because they think they should be acting a certain way as opposed to it just being a natural thing. Uh, and I think mass media and representation across it makes a mm-hmm. huge difference for that. So those, those, those moments just don't happen or at least are lessened in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, sorry, that, that's the straight guy's take on the whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, now, Katrina, you like, a, you like more things than just Star Wars. So what are some of the other things that you, you enjoy in the world of geek? 
Uh, so I, I am a huge comic fan. I love reading comics. I love writing comics. I love exploring new verticals of comic publishing because now is a really, for all of the discourse happening uh, throughout different fandoms, now is a really good time to explore comic books because there there's this kind of resurgence I feel like in the in the early 2000s, everything kind of centered in on superheroes and superhero yeah. stories because, you know, we were making all those, we, uh, they, they were making <laughs> all those movies and like, so, you know, and superhero movies are still very popular, but now that people have been introduced to comics, we have this huge influx of, of more people because comic creators have always been diverse. If you look back on, on, on sales, and even even like old pictures, it's all sorts of people reading comics because back in the day there was a, a whole bunch of different sorts of comics. Like Archie was one of the the, the major um, slice of life, I guess you would call it, and term it these days. Uh, stories out there, and then it became zombies and all sorts of crazy stuff. But um, you know now we have comics that that are kind of like that slice of life thing or their uh, adventure comics about like, you know, girls at camp or, you know, we, we have different types of superheroes who are kind of introducing people to these different types of comic stories and graphic novels and sci-fi stories like, like uh, Saga, which is one of the most groundbreaking comics out there right now. And it's really cool. Like, I, so I'm, I love comics. I'm writing my own right now. Uh, I'm exploring this new kind of vertical called webtoons that, it, it came to popularity in uh, like 2010 to 2012 in Korea. And it's this great way to read comics on your phone. And, and it's, uh, I really like it. I, I zip through like thousands of different stories every week because I can just scroll right through them or read them on my desktop. So that is my other love. <laughs> Good stuff. All Yay. right, Joey. Hi. You ready Hi. to do some rapid fire? Of course, Ooh. sir, of course. All right, so, Katrina, the way that Rapid Fire works is throughout the conversation, I've written down a few questions. I have three mm -hmm. questions for you. Uh, and I will ask them to you, and you answer them as fast as, and honestly, as possible as you can. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, I'll try. <laughs> All right, what tool that does not currently exist would you want to see in social media marketing? I would like to see Twitter edit buttons. Yes. All Twitter the yes. Oh my God. Yes. Please. Like you can even leave a history option. Like I think a history mm -hmm. option, just like on Google docs would be fine. And then you can go back and keep your receipts, but I need an edit button, please. For the love of God. I have fat fingers. I would die for an edit button on Twitter. <laughs> I just I need think... to fix typos guys. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, I'll agree with that because my original answer was that I wanted a, an app that let me update status statuses, like like an all across the board thing. Mm. You know, like hey, I need, I want to, I have this one thing I want to post, but it's going to go to like five different platforms. Why do I want to open up five different apps? Uh, and, they have... the, and then I figured that they did have it. I just didn't want to look yeah. it up. <laughs> I think yeah. Hootsuite was that, wasn't lazy. it, at one point? Yep, Hootsuite. Uh, it, 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 trust me, there needs to be some some improvements to Hootsuite yes. even. Yes. But, you know, it, it definitely it covers most platforms. At least the big three right now. All right. How many autocorrect fails do you have a day? 
Oh my god, like six thousand. How many times do I say ducking a day? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I fail at autocorrect like all the time, especially because like half the time I'm running. Yeah. <laughs> well, I text. All right. If you had a cameo in any of the Star Wars films that includes Rogue One, mm-hmm. uh, what would you want that cameo to be? I would want to be a bounty hunter on Coruscant in that one bar where Obi-Wan does exactly what he does in A New Hope and <laughs> cuts off someone's arm. Um, I want to be on, a, I basically just want to be on Coruscant. I, I would, I don't care. I just want to be there. It's nice. A city kid. Excellent. All right. <laughs> and now a very important question. I actually haven't asked this question in quite a while. So I felt like I had to take it off of the shelf, dust off the tchotchke, and here we go. How (laughs) freaking awesome is Team Human's Toronto gal? Amazing. I love her. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm so happy that she exists. She's one of the most positive people on the Internet, and she's always been nothing but fantastic to me, and I love her. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely uh, we, we've been uh, bringing in some other guests that we think are very human like but may not have familiarity with the community on the podcast lately so we've mm-hmm. kind of shelved the question as to not you know embarrass them um, <laughs> but with you I'm glad Joey brought it back out so we're going to play a quick little game have you have you played or heard of Google Feud before uh, no I haven't in, in short, you know when you're in Google and you start typing something and they want to auto-complete it for you? Right. Oh. So they they have a thing where basically they give us a prompt and they ask us what the top 10 auto-complete for that specific prompt is. And mm. it's set in a family feud scenario. So Awesome. The, the first one we have is my ears are dot, dot, dot. So my ears are, finish the query. My ears. Oh, wait, would I have to look it up? No, no, no. I, I have it on oh. my phone in front of me, so I'll, I'll just type in your answer. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I guess my ears are um, uh, uh, small. <laughs> small. And survey says no. Hmm. Oh, no. Joey. Uh, my ears are ringing. Ringing. Oh, that's how you play it. Okay. <laughs> Ringing is number two, 9,000 points. Go ahead, Katrina, take another stab at it. Oh, um, my ears are, oh dear, oh God, oh no. Uh, my ears are hurting? Hurting. No. Oh no. Do you have another one, Joey? Um, so a few days ago, I was listening to a particular DJ, and he just wanted to play the saddest country songs. So my ears were bleeding at that bleeding, time. Bleeding, yep. That was the same thing I was now, Don't get me wrong. Of. I do like country, but when you play, like, three hours of nonstop sad country, I want to shoot babies. Wow, okay. Uh, well, for starters, you're doing very well in this game. That was number one. Thank um, <laughs> Grant. This is Joey's getting all of her points on this one. Oh, when it um, comes to ears, I know all kinds of stuff because <laughs> I've had so many ear infections in my life. 
Um, maybe infected. I'll I'll throw one in there myself. Infected. No, I got us our third strike. Okay, so number one, as we we found out, was bleeding. Number two was ringing. Three was hot. Four was burning. Five was clogged. Six was popping. Seven huh. was red. Eight itchy. Nine always ringing. And ten plugged up. Hmm. So let's do another one. Next round. Uh, let's go names this time. <laughs> How does autocomplete finish this query? Russell blank. Go ahead, Katrina. Crow. Crow. Has to be there. Is it is it W-E, that crow? Uh, yeah, W-E. C-R-O-W-E. Mm-hmm. Number four. All right, you're Woo-hoo! up, Joey. Howard. On Howard. Probably <laughs> recently. A, oh, no, it's Russell Howard. Sorry. You want Russell Howard? Yep. Yep. Okay. No. What? Yep. Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. Put, How is Russell spelled? Um, that might uh, be a difference. R-U-S-S-E-L-L. I'm surprised he didn't show up then. Huh. Oh, I'm going to say Peter's. Peter's was number seven. So go ahead, Katrina. Russell Brand. Russell Brand. All right. Russell Brand comes in at number five. We're doing oh. very well with the Russells. We're I don't still know any more the... popular Russells. <laughs> uh, still... Tovey. You're going to have to spell that one. T-O-V-E-Y. Russell Tovey. No. What? This is Russell. stupid. Darn. So what'd you, what'd you say, Russell. Katrina? Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to think of any other Russells I know. Only the um... Russell I can think of is Wilson, <laughs> but don't bother putting it because it'll probably be wrong. Well, he's a football player, and it is Murica, so I'm gonna put Wilson. I'll, I'll trust you on this one, Russell Wilson. Number three. Oh wow! Now it decides to play nice with me. <laughs> ho ho ho! R- Russell Gorillas. There's Russ from Gorillas. Gorillas. It's probably like 24. Gotta spell gorillas right. With an S or a Z? Z, yeah. Oh, a Z, yeah. Oh, sorry, yes, Canada. My apologies. Uh, no. So number one. Oh, come on. Okay, number one basketball player, Russell Westbrook. Uh. Number two, Russell Westbrook's stats. So, yeah, that's great. Um, we got Wilson, Crow, and Brand, and then Russell Simmons. All right. And then Russell Westbrook's wife. Okay. <laughs> Russell Street Deli. I'm that Okay. And cool. Russell Westbrook's shoes. So Russell Westbrook was our missing part of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Darn it. I don't know nope. the basketball. All right, one more. One more. Yeah. Come on. One more. You need another one. Do you want? What do you want? You want people, names, culture, or questions? I'll let, I'll let Katrina pick it. Um. Um. Uh. Culture. Culture. All right. <laughs> okay. You you guys will like this one. Donald Trump looks like dot dot dot. A Cheeto. Cheeto. 
How many orange pun puns can we get? No, there's no <laughs> way that's not there. <gasps> How rude. How about... Butter. B-U-T-T-E-R? Uh-huh. Yep. Butter's there. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> okay, okay. Confession. <laughs> the reason why I chose butter is because... Okay, tonight's the, the start, the season premiere for the new Project Runway as we're recording this. So I watched mm -hmm. the Get to Know the Cast, and the last guy that they showed, he made... Like, I want to like this guy, but this guy is, like, a little too weird for me. <laughs> Which is weird, but on the front of his shirt that he made, it, he's like, because when I came to America, I ate lots of food and I wanted butter, so I put butter on my shirt, and it's been in my head the entire wow. time. But I, I still don't get it that he looks like butter. I don't know. <laughs> I, I got lucky on that one. Oh, All right, wow. I, I'm still in denial about Cheeto, I'll be honest. Um, yeah, I'm upset. Uh, can we just go for crap? It looks like crap. I like it. I like it. Be there. No! Yeah, probably. What? Shit. They don't do very synonyms very well. Um, looks like... How orange. about... I got one. Oh, go ahead. Pokemon. Pokemon. P-O-K-E-M-O-N. Don't worry about the accent crap. Number two. How do you know that... Are you cheating? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump looks like a Pokemon, number two. I see all kinds of stuff in my Facebook feed, and I, I wow. never respond to it. So. <laughs> wow, I... Because I'm like, I don't need to start an argument. I'm just going to see it and move on. <laughs> wow, oh my god. All right, well, we're thinking I'll put orange. Uh, no, okay. Oh, wow, all right. Uh, I'll start at the bottom for this one. Donald Trump looks like food. <laughs> Donald Trump looks like raw chicken. Donald mm. Trump looks like corn. Donald Trump looks like a pumpkin. So the food stuff's out of the way. <laughs> this <laughs> one I actually agree with. Donald Trump looks like Biff. Ah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump looks like an Oompa Loompa. Uh, we got butter. Donald Trump looks like Dr. Evil. At number <laughs> three, got Pokemon. And number one, Donald Trump looks like... Hillary Clinton. Wow. What? That's really? kind of far-fetched, uh -huh. if you ask me. Yeah. All right, Katrina, where can people find you on the webs and tell us about all your things? Uh, you guys can find me by looking for O-Katrina, O-H-C-A-T-R-I-N-A, literally anywhere on the internet. Um, my website's okatrina.com. I'm O-Katrina on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all sorts of great, fantastic stuff. Uh, I am uh, currently writing for StarWars.com. Catch my blog posts every once in a while. Uh, you can catch some work over on Okatrina.com with short stories and more blog posts. And I am writing a really cool, hopefully, uh, webcomic called Treasure in the Core. It's about a, a space pirate turned Kogo, or cargo pilot uh, who is slowly turning back into a space pirate. Uh, and she is tasked with uh, basically protecting two of the most precious things in the galaxy. One of them is an AI system that uh, is a little too overpowered that she doesn't quite know about yet. And the second is a very well-talked-about prince. Uh, he's something of a, a tabloid lover. Um, and so it's about her and her best friend and how they get uh, this whole mess across the galaxy. 
and yeah, you can read it. You can read it online, webtoons now. It's called Treasure in the Core. You can check it out through my website. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking for lots and lots of subscriptions because if I have lots of subscriptions, Line will pay attention to it, and hopefully, uh, it'll become a bigger thing. So, All right, community, you've been tasked with a task. Go do the thing. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. actually got one Go more ahead, really quick question. Have you done anything collaborative with Bonnie Burton? Uh, unfortunately, no, not yet, but hopefully someday. Bonnie, make I, it happen, we're, we're, damn it. Yeah, yeah we're, that, we're that, that's going to be an explosion. So so... <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to see that myself. I'm here, uh, Bonnie. Please come cook at my house. <laughs> and I think uh, Joey's wanting to get Joey, uh, Bonnie on this podcast as well. Uh, after we interviewed Felicia, I think that was one of the ones that you you spoke about, right, Joey? I want all three of the other vaginal fantasy uh, ladies on here. Even if it was, even if we had all three on here at the same time, <laughs> that would be cool. But I won't. I won't push it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think of, of, I mean, Bonnie's uh, probably a one even I can reach out to. She's been very kind on social media, but I mean, we share a common love, so that's pretty easy to do. Mm -hmm. um, I want to thank Katrina Dennis for joining us here on the show. Uh, as always, I want to thank Joey Couture for being the dude that he is. Um, and until next time, guys, take care. You can find Blair on Twitter at Blair Beverage, Webisode Watch, and Hoopod. His Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash Blair Beverage, where he streams Friday evenings at 9pm Eastern Standard Time. You can also find him on YouTube, just search his name, that's him. Finally, you can catch him playing the Goblin Shaman in the web series Basic Adventuring 101, which can be found on basicadventuring101.com. You can find Joey on Twitter at joeycouture underscore, because someone already stole it. On YouTube as Joey Couture, and you can also find him on Etsy, Joey Couture Geek Chic. You can find Tyrolyn at Tiz Thunder on Twitter, Tyrolyn Puxty on YouTube, Tyrolyn Puxty on Facebook, and I'm pretty much floating around everywhere. T Y R O L I N P U X T Y. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.